Okay, I want to talk to you about why, how God has a specific way of getting people's attention. I did another, another study through the Bible on how, gets, how God gets nations and peoples, group, people groups, attention. How does God get people's attention? Because there's a lot of chatter out there about uh, God did this, God didn't do this. Did God do the coronavirus? I can tell you unequivocally from studying the Bible over 50 years seriously, corona is of God. As all of the other maladies that come along. Because uh, the sovereignty of God. Now, did he want that to be that way? No. Sin is the essence of all sickness. The, bre- the breaking down of Adam and Eve when they sinned against God and, and they didn't want to do his will anymore, they want to do their will. The, the, what came along with doing their will was the thing called sin, which was also all the diseases and all the genetic breakdowns and all the deformities and blindnesses and deafness and physical infirmity, you name it, that came with sin. So you ought to hate sin. You ought not to coddle sin. You ought to hate sin because where all this bad stuff comes through sin. Christ came, gave himself so that he could have victory over the penalty and punishment of sin so that you and I could have it. He didn't deserve it. He was sinless. As the Son of God, uh, Christ, the Son of the living God, came and took our place on Calvary. What a, what a beautiful thing. And now we, by, by grace, through faith in Him and Him only, can have forgiveness of sin. But we still bear in our body the punishment of sin, which is physical death. We still bear that. And that's why good people die, if I want to say it that way. Good people die. Bad people die, good people die, all people die. Because we all bear the sin, and it must, it's, going to be, it's going to stop here on earth. It's going to stop here. As a born-again believer, it's going to stop here, and you're going to get a new body on the other side, like on his glorious body, a different body. Now i got to stop. But God, throughout the prophets of the Old Testament, gave us a real clear uh, t- today's a teaching, this is a, t- this is a Bible-packed teaching message, okay? This isn't one of those sermons where you do one verse and take off on a thought and a theme, which is nothing wrong with that at all. It's a beautiful way to preach. I do that. But this is a different, this is reading Scripture, and hopefully you'll absorb some of this as we go along. You can listen to this in a lot of different places later. Amos. Amos, the book of Amos. You say, I didn't even know there was a book of Amos. Well, don't be too bad. I mean, it's possible you don't. Amos chapter 4, verse 6 to 12. Let me just begin to read it, and I think, and then I'm going to go back and make a few comments. I'm going to read the book of Jeremiah, chapter 8, verse 12 through 13, and then I want to make another comment about that. These are two similar texts. And I also have given you, this is God talking through Amos to the children of Israel who, who, who have not been doing what they ought to do. They, they kind of they fell back away from God. They, they fell back for away from the things of God and began to do their own thing. And God says, well, i got to get your attention. So here's what he said. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and a want of bread in all your places. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. That phrase, by the way, is repeated over and over again. And, I, and, also, as, and also I have withholden the rain from you, 
when there were yet three months to the harvest, I caused it to rain in one city and caused it not to rain in another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. So two or three cities uh, wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet ye have not returned unto me. That's the second time. I have smitten you with a blasting and with mildew when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased. The palmer worm devoured them, yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence. That's what corona is. It's a pestilence. After the manner of Egypt, your young men I have slain with a sword. That's war, violence. What's going on in the inner cities? I have taken away your horses, your animals. I have made the stink of your calves to come up into your nostrils, yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have overthrown, this is the seventh thing he did, by the way. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning, yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And so the conclusion in verse 12 there, chapter 4 of Amos, he said, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. How many have been in North Carolina and you've seen a sign along the mountain that says, Prepare to meet thy God, right out of the book? Prepare to meet thy God, O, o Israel. That's the word. When these calamities come on, these seven calamities that he mentioned here, he says, you need to start looking up and prepare to meet your God. Jeremiah chapter 8 is very similar. He says, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall in the time of their visitation. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. I will surely consume them, saith the Lord, and there shall be no grapes in the vine, nor figs in the fig tree. The leaf shall fade, and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. So another version with so many other versions, I'm not going to quote them, of how God deals and gets the attention of his people. He sometimes takes away the things that he has given us. That's economic prosperity uh, can, can go away. I myself have been through at least five major recessions, and I've seen people's whole lifetime savings evaporate with a Black Tuesday, they call it, or a stock market crash. Not, not quite as bad as 1929 crash, but that's what happened in 29. The stock market crash. People lost their whole life's work and savings in one day. I've seen it happen here uh, with some people at the gospel where their, their whole life, uh, it, it affects. And, and in the big picture, God is helping us. When these seven things came upon the children of Israel, God was not trying to hurt them. He was trying to help them. How? Because if you ignore God, and you stand, someday have to stand before Him, and you will, that will be the ultimate loss. That will be eternal loss. So what God does is give people temporary loss to try to help them save their eternal treasures. Jesus says, put your treasures in heaven where the moth doesn't come, the thief doesn't come, and the rust doesn't come. Why? Because God doesn't want you to lose 
the eternal rewards that he wants you to have and is prepared for you to have. But as a born-again Christian, specifically I'm talking to here, you have this opportunity called life in which to do the will of God and to become, uh, if I may say, eternally prosperous and wealthy. And, and it's, it's not a cheap wealth. It's not a wealth that you lose. It's a wealth that you, you retain and keep. So God uses various calamities to get God's people's attention. And if I may say, even the heathen's attention. Now, don't take the word heathen to offense. Uh, I could use the word Gentile. It's the non-Christian. The non-born-again Christian in the Bible is referred to as the heathen, which means they do not recognize or participate in the thing called Bible called salvation. Ezekiel chapter uh, 4, verse 16 through 17, he breaks the staff of bread, as we read in Amos. He says, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, behold, I will break the staff of bread in Jerusalem, and they shall eat bread by weight and with care, and they shall drink water by measure and with astonishment. And they that want bread and water will be a stone-eyed, one with another. I like the word a stone-eyed. And consume away in their iniquity. Don't take your drinking water for granted. I've been, I've been involved in um, Lee County, and they're protecting, trying to protect our drinking water in Lee County. Uh, there has been a program of mining that wanted to go out where we get our drinking water and dig 100-foot deep mines, which goes, through two, which goes through at least two aquifers, and possibly break into the third aquifer, which is where we get our drinking water. If that happens, then our drinking water can get polluted. And no longer do you have clean, you just don't drill a hole and get good water out of it. Now, there's many parts of the world that's already true. The drinking water is not good even out of the ground. I don't take it for granted. Every time I take a drink of water, I think, thank Jesus. Amen. A chicken, every time they take a drink of water, lifts their head up and says, thank you, Jesus. You ought to at least be as thankful as a chicken. What does he use? He uses war and defeat before the enemies to judge to get his people's attention. Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 24, he says, Wherefore I bring the worst of the heathen, and they shall possess their houses, and I will also make the pomp of the strong to cease, and their holy places to be defiled. Now that just that's Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 24. That just drills right through my eyes into my head. If God's people ignore him with the great privilege they have of knowing who he is, they know something of the Bible, they've been exposed to it, maybe like Timothy from a child, they'll know us knowing the Holy Scriptures, and they take it for granted or casually, God takes that to a high offense. And he says to them in Ezekiel, he says, I'm, the, I'm going to bring not the heathen, I'm going to bring the worst of the heathen. And I'm going to, they're going to possess your houses. They are going to defile your holy places, your churches. And I am seeing it begin to happen in America already with the influx of Islam. There is no greater enemy that Christians have than Islamics. I don't hate anybody. 
But I just, I'm just looking at history, just looking at what happens when they come in an area. And churches all over England are turning into mosques. They're defiling. Why? Because England, by a majority, turned away from God. England used to be the center of all missionary work in the world. It was where C.H. Spurgeon had his church. It was where F.B. Meyer had his church. It was where Gypsy Smith was. It was where, um, uh, oh my, the the list of of people. William Carey came out of England. Uh, so uh, So many people that God has used mightily for Christ, and the mission movement started really on fire recently in history, at least out of England. Somehow those group of people Their children, not the original group, but the children or their children's children turned away from what mom and dad taught them and they began to disregard the Bible and the Word of God and and what God is doing to England, and you're seeing it before your very eyes, is he's turning them over to a group of people that hate them. Yeah. God will get your attention. Um, He uses weather. Or uses pestilence and plague and disease. Numbers chapter 14, verse 12. I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them, will make thee a greater nation than they. He told that to Moses. He uses weather and calamities and drought. Amos chapter 4, verse 7. I will also withhold the rain from you. I just read that. He uses hurricanes, tornadoes, natural disasters. Nahum 1 3 says, Lord is slow to anger, great in power. Will not all acquit the wicked? The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind. I can use the word tornado or hurricane for that word. It's the same word. He has his way in the hurricane. He has his way in the tornado. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. Proverbs 127 says, When your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a tornado, hurricane, whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. In other words, what I'm trying to note here is that God has the ability to use hurricanes as a form of getting our attention. Remember, ultimately, it's not to harm you, but to help you be, to have your value system correct. If you miss this thing called God, you've missed the only thing that's been valuable in this life. The only thing you're going to be remaining in this building are is this word of God, which is forever settled in heaven, and your soul. That's all that's going to be left. Bible says the whole place is going to burn by fire. So God in his kindness to us, and I know this sounds like a strange kindness. You know, sometimes, I, I have to admit that sometimes I would lie as a kid. Did you ever do that? And, and, and my dad would whip me ferociously. And I know my dad loved me, but there was a time in that whole process I was wondering, It was a painful experience. But as I grew older and got out of that immediate pain, I realized this man really loved me because it was not not a happy time for him to come from church a, a Sunday, a good day, a Sunday, and have to take us boys home and whip all three of us. It was not happy for him to do that. You know, kids crying and and all the upset of a spanking and how that all goes. And, and it wasn't a happy thing for my mom and dad to have us. To, and I, Brother Chris has to spank a little wheel 
Can you believe? Can you believe little Will, sweet little Will, has to get a whipping once in a while? Yeah. You believe? Them two little girls are yours. But if you allow them to go without punishment for lying, do you love them? You don't. The Bible says you hate them. You hate them. And God is a better father than we are. He's a better parent than we are. He uses sudden unexpected destruction. In verse 11 of Amos, I read, he said, I'll overthrow some of you in Sodom and Gomorrah. What does that mean? That's a cataclysmic event that comes on you suddenly. I list a few things here. Heart attack. 150,000 people this year in America will die suddenly. Now remember, there's been how many die of corona in, in America? I don't remember what the number is right now. But 150,000 in America will die suddenly of a heart attack without any symptoms. They have no prior symptoms to the big one. And they drop over dead. Many, many more will have symptoms and have bypass surgery or whatever has to go on with that. That's a horror to have any of that done. Cancer. A sudden overthrow could be cancer. I know I went into the doctor with my dad, and he was going to out to eat, and he was doing everything normal. And I went into an oncologist with him. And I remember the oncologist, Dr. Reeves was his actual name. Dr. Reeves sat across his and he said, Ori, you have a week to live. My brother, I was thinking six months, eight months, no, no, a week, a week. My dad was stunned, man. He said, I just got back out of the restaurant. He says, well, you got about a week to live. He lived 11 days. The doctor missed it by four days. I went back to the doctor and said, you missed it by four days, but you're good. You figured that out pretty good. He says, well, when you got that blood count, that's the way it is. Pneumonia is called the old person's friend. Acute leukemia, auto accidents. How about a meteorite hitting the earth? You know, you, the way Hollywood makes movies, you would think they want a meteorite to hit us. They're like hoping this meteorite is going to come within 500,000 miles of earth. Boy, that's a close one. That's not close in my book. Hey, a miss is a miss is a miss, man. I mean, why is it all Hollywood's movies are the machines take over and kill everybody? I don't believe the Bible. We know how it's going to end. Now, how well, how well does this method that God uses work? Oh. It works well. Uh, take your Bible if you want to to Jonah. The book of Jonah, only four short chapters. Chapter 3, verse 4 through 10. Now, it's kind of a long passage, but I think I need to read the whole thing. And Jonah, you know, I'm not going to tell you about the story of Jonah. If you don't know Jonah, it's fine. It's a prophet. He went to a big city. He prophesied against it. He was not Baptist because he preached an eight-word sermon. And no good Baptist I ever know would preach that short a sermon. I mean, Chris wouldn't even go that short. Amen. I mean, Chris may do 17 minutes, and that's, that's liberal Baptist preaching right there. But I mean, he, but he would not. Eight words? Eight words? 
Eight words? That doesn't, doesn't seem like, he says, yeah, 40 days and then it shall be overthrown. Bingo, that's it. I'm not going to give you any, any, no fluff, no illustrations, no conclusion, no invitation, no, no, nothing. You're getting eight. 40 days, it's over for you people. Look what happened. So the people of Nineveh, these are heathens to the, if you study anything about the Assyrians, they were a wild group of people. So the people of Nineveh believed God. The people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh and arose from his throne, and he laid his robe uh, from him, covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and the nobles, saying, Let neither man eat. Boy, I wish this would be done in America. It'd be great if there could be an edict come in America. Let neither man uh, nor beast herd, flock, taste anything. Let them not, not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. If America did that, Corona would disappear. Because look what, look what he said. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger and we perish not? First of all, understand that the heathen in Nineveh, which were not God-fearing people, they knew who this was coming from. They knew he could do it and believed he could do it to the point, and they knew why he was doing it, because of the evil and the violence that they had among each other. And they knew... Somehow enough, God well enough that if they repented and turned and humbled themselves, that maybe, who can tell, that God will not fulfill this prophet's sermon, this eight-word sermon, and he will spare us. And look what in verse 10 of chapter 3 of Jonah, and God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and I love these last four words, he did it not. He did it not. So how, how does God get your attention, and how do we get his attention? Those are two great examples of that. God will turn from his wrath, even if the heathen request it, if they're willing to humble themselves and repent. He said in the fourth chapter there of Jonah, there were 120,000 children that were so small they could not tell the difference between their right hand and their left. That means there was about 120,000 one- or two-year-olds in the city of Nineveh. And God cared about them and did not want to destroy them. And he said, on top of that, there's also much cattle. That tells me God cares about the animals. He didn't want to destroy them if he didn't have to do it. He didn't want to do it. And in that case, didn't have to. You may remember when the children of Israel went to Mount Sinai and Moses went up in the mountain. And you may remember that he was up in the mountain a long time, 40 days, 40 nights with God. In the meantime, the, the bad people and the children of Israel there said, we don't know what happened to this Moses, but, but we, uh, we, went, we went to Aaron, by the way, his brother, and said, Aaron, we want you to make us a, a God. Make us a God. That, right off the bat, I go ding, 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 ding. These people saw the Red Sea split, walked on dry land. These people saw the 10 greatest miracles that ever happened on the face of the planet. 
right before their very eyes. The same group of people told Aaron, make us a God. We're going back to Egypt. Aaron was the perfect prototype of a compromising preacher. He said, whatever you want. He made him a God. Made him a can't, actually not made him a God. You can't make a God. He made a, 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 a calf of gold. So Moses is up there, and, and in, in uh, chapter 32, and the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make a great nation of you, of, of, of thee, of, of Moses. Moses sought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth the land of Egypt in great power with mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say for mischief did bring them out and slay them in the mountains to consume them in the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce anger and repent this evil against thy people. And then if you want to learn how to go to God, when he begins to try to get people's attention and to change his mind, this is the way to do it. He goes back in history and he says, Remember Abraham, Isaac, Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply thy seed as stars of heaven. All this land I have given, I've spoken of, will give to your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Wow. What happened? The Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. When God sends something nationally, worldwide, which is what this is, it's proven in Scripture that God's people can get his attention. And he's willing to turn away from it or to lighten it up. If God's people, which are called by his name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, seek his face, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. All I can say is, as a preacher, I implore you as a born-again believer, be right with God. If there's ever a good time to be right with God, it's now. God's causing this to come to get our attention, first of all. Judgment must first begin at the house of God. But if it begin with us, what's going to happen to the other folks? God's people need to be right with God. It's time that we are as serious as you know to be about God. Yeah. Turning away from anything that you're doing that's wrong, contrary to the will of God. God's already showing you that it's wrong. You know it's wrong, yet you keep doing it. You're part of the problem. You're part of the reason why some of these things come upon nations and peoples. That was what it was in the children of Israel. That's where it is in the Bible. What does God want? What's God after? What's he want? Well, I asked that question and went through the book, and here's what I come up with. Zechariah chapter 18, verse 16 through 17. He says, these are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Make sure that you speak the truth. Execute judgment of truth and peace in your gates. Don't you cheat anybody out of anything. Don't cheat the government out of a dime. If you're going to err, pay too much taxes. 
I used to go to my accountant. I've said this before and say, I want you to add some more tax on that in case I didn't report everything. I want you to, I want you, you know, tips. Pay taxes on your tips. Well, this is anathema to some folks, I'll tell you that. Let none of you, he says, imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor. In other words, don't, don't imagine evil against anybody. Be harmless, blameless, the sons of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Love, no false oath. Don't try to bring somebody in on something that's not what it really is. For all these things he said, I hate, saith the Lord. Micah 6 8 says, He showed the old man what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. There's a, that's a good formula, right? So you're to do justly. How do you know what's just? You've got to know the Bible. Love mercy. Err on the side of mercy. Walk humbly with thy God. Now, humble people think they're proud, and proud people think they're humble. If you ever get somebody to come up and says, man, I'm humble, you know that's not so. Because humble people do not, never think they're humble. They think they're proud. Preacher, I really have a pride problem. When somebody comes to me and says, I have a pride problem, I think, no, you actually don't, but I'm not going to beat you up on it. Amen? I got a pride problem. Well, if you think you got a pride problem, that's humble. Amos chapter 5, 14 says, Seek good, not evil that you may live, and so the Lord God of hosts shall be with you as he has spoken. Hate the evil, love the good. Oh, let me get in there. Oh, brother. Hate the evil, love the good. We're living in such a fuzzy, fluffy, cuddly, politically correct group of people that the statement, hate the evil. Preacher, you mean we should hate adultery? Yes. Should we hate fornication? Yes. Should we hate homosexuality? Yes. Should we hate transvestitism? Yes. Should we hate Lying? Yes. Should we hate harming other people? Violence? Years ago, I got under conviction about watching violent movies. When I sit there and get entertained by violence, I am in some way voting for it. Are you with me on that? The Holy Spirit whispered this to me hard. He said, don't get entertainment on violence. God hates violence. I thought, boy. That's right. Micah chapter 7, verse 18, 19. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, passeth by the transgression of the remnant of thy heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, praise God for that, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again and will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. Thou will cast all their sins in the depths of the sea. I think this can be our prayer, amen? Micah 7, 18, 19. Uh, 
You, if you go to God, he's, he's more than willing, just like a good parent. Man, if old wheelbarrow comes up to uh, Chris and says, Daddy, I'm sorry. I did such and such. That's going to make a difference in the way Daddy deals with that problem, don't you think? Well, how much more do you think God has that? If you go to God and say, God, I've been struggling with this and it's wrong, it's wrong. God's not trying to murder you, kill you, make you suffer. If you say it's wrong, that's what he's going for. He's trying to help you to, to be right, to help you to be like the, the uh, to have righteousness and truth. And he, by the way, he doesn't mind bringing some serious pain in your world to get you to do right. I, nothing, nothing, no pain comes into my life. I don't look upward. I, I, I preach on why old men are grumpy. Or did I say why old people are grumpy? Because I wanted to include the women in that. Well, we, we tend to have a lot of pain. And sometimes if we react incorrectly to pain, we get hostile towards the pain rather than realize the pain ultimately is from God and can help us. It'll humble us. What, what better way to be humble than through pain? Well, pain will humble you, brother. Some of you in here I'm looking at had kidney stones. How many had a kidney stone? We'll admit it. Raise your hand. Buddy, a kidney stone comes on you almost without notice and gets your attention 100%. I saw my dad. He was tough. He, I saw him rolling on the floor begging for mercy as he had a kidney stone one day. I thought, man, that must be bad. But when pain comes into my life as a born-again Christian, the first thing, place I go to is God. God, thank you. If this makes me a better Christian, thank you for the pain. Well, would you take it away? I'm, I'm not a masochist. Let me learn the lesson and then please relieve me. And he does. He does. It's the fastest way to get rid of pain is to humble yourself before God. It's the sweetest way. The fastest way that America overcomes corona or COVID is to humble themselves before God, look, to, look into themselves individually and say, God, there are some things in my life that shouldn't be there. I'm going to move away from them and I'm going to, I'm going to go... I'm, I used to be here and there and hit and miss on church. I ain't going to do that anymore. I'm, I'm there. Uh, doors open, I'm there. I'm with your house. I'm with the local church, which is ordained to reach the world for Christ. I didn't use support missions, but I'm supporting missions. I'm, I'm going to use my money where you've given it. You've given me my money, and I want to use some of it for your cause. And I'm going, to, I'm going to get right in some of these areas I've been lax on or slack on. That's the fastest way in the world. Biblically, I'm going to tell you that for God to have it, give us some relief. Give us relief. As children, God uses troubles. So, what did I find out by all this? Look, by the study I did here. Well, God uses troubles in various forms to correct not only His people, but the world in general. The question I end with is: America listening? And I hope you will examine your life before God. I heard Trump say something the other day. I never heard a president hardly ever. I'm not sure I ever heard a president say. He said. 
We need more prayer in America, not less. We need more church, not less. I thought there's hope. There's hope for America with that kind of leadership. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and direct the words that have been spoken. May they not simply be a, words of a, of a man, but may they be the, anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. Only you can apply these individually into people to hear these. This goes out over the Internet and really goes out all over the world. And the people who, who tune into it and listen to it, even this very moment, may they examine themselves, prove themselves, see if they be in the faith. Go to the Word of God and search it. Is it am, I the, am I living the kind of life that God approves of? You want to know why some pain comes into your life? God's trying to get your attention. Why does pain come in the United States? Because God's trying to get our attention. Father, help, help none of these things to be wasted. As your people, called by your name, would humble themselves, pray, seek your face, turn from their wicked ways. Please come. Forgive our sin and heal our land. Today's a day of memorial. We remember the people who gave themselves for this land. Father, remember us according to thy loving kindnesses and tender mercies. Blot out our transgressions. Heal us again, Father. America was never great because of who they were. We're only great as God is great and as you are great. And Father, help us to recognize that as we have never maybe in the last recent history remembered it. Maybe there's somebody here today without Christ, their personal Savior. You know, if you die today, you're 100% sure you'd go to heaven. The Bible gives you that kind of assurance. It's a shame if you don't have 100% based on what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit's testimony, that you know Christ, your personal Savior, your sins are forgiven. You've been born from above. Name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Do you know? If not, why don't you come? Let us know about it. We'll not push anything on you. We'll take the Word of God carefully, compassionately open the Bible and show you what we were showing. You make your own decision. But don't go, don't go home without knowing that you're where God wants you to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.